This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. A video of the talk is also available along with more downloads at our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. Well, good afternoon, everybody, and a warm welcome uh, to you all. Thank you for coming to listen this afternoon. So this afternoon we're going to deal with about the facts or a matter of life and death. I suppose the one thing we say at the start is the one thing that we are absolutely certain of in this life is that at some time, at some time, unfortunately, we shall die when life itself comes to an end. Now, over the years, there have been many, many people who've written many, many books upon the subject, and they have come up with all sorts of thoughts and ideas. But we ask ourselves the question, where can we go to find out the real facts, the truth about life and death? And the only answer to this is there's only one place where we can get this information, and that is in God's Word, uh, the Bible. Let us first of all remember that it was the Almighty God that created uh, man and woman in the first place. If we were to, for instance, to go into Ormskirk this evening and ask the people what do they think or what do they know about life and death, I wonder what sort of answer we would likely to get or what sort of reaction would we like to, likely to get. Now, there will be those who will turn around and say, well, I'm not really bothered because my philosophy is simple. We eat, drink and be merry for tomorrow we might die. Maybe to the younger generation because of their age that they might think that they have all life before them and therefore at this moment in time it's not a worry and really what they do is they bury their head in the sand because they would say well why think about the future when in fact we are living for the present but then of course the problem is tragedy strikes out of the blue something happens uh, maybe because of a sudden illness uh, that brings about uh, the falling, pa sudden passing away of a friend. And when that happens, suddenly it becomes an important issue, in a, even though it might be for only a short space of time. So the question today is, with time on our side, are we willing to face the facts, to find out for ourselves what the Bible says about life and death. And of course there are some facts about life that we find are completely unpleasant. Uh, but at some time we will have to face them. Now the face basic fact about man and woman in connection with life is that all of us, and there's no exception, and it doesn't matter whether you're rich or whether you're poor, all of us have a disease and the name of that disease that we find in the Bible is that of sin. In Paul's letter to the Romans he says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and the consequences of that sin is that of death. 
So we might first of all ask ourselves the question, when in fact did this disease come upon man and woman? When did it happen? Well, we have to go to the very beginning of Scripture, uh, to the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. Now, we believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God. And if you come with me to Genesis chapter 1, we have the record in Genesis chapter 1 of the creation. In the beginning, God uh, created, it says. And then we read uh, this verse in verse 26 of Genesis chapter 1. And God said, let us make man in our own image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And so we have there the record, don't we, of the creation of man. Now when we come to chapter 2, we have what we might call a little bit more detail of the creation that we read in chapter 1. And of man, it says in verse 7, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living uh, soul. And once he had created this man, we find that he puts him in what is called the Garden of Eden. And what did he tell man to do? Verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. In other words, for man to serve him and to work. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden that thou eatest, uh, that thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, he tells man of what the consequences were going to be. He tells us that thou shalt uh, surely die. Now we find in verse 19 that that man's name is uh, Adam. Now when we come to chapter 3, which we find is very significant, because we find in verse 2 that the woman who had been created at the end of chapter 2 also knew of this commandment that God had in fact given this man Adam. And also she knew of the consequences. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruits of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God had said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it. And what would happen? Well, we see that she knew of this, lest ye die. Then when we come to verse 6, we have the, the disobedience of man and woman who disobeyed this commandment that God had given them and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes a tree to be desired to make one wise she took also she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat we notice there in that verse that Adam was with um, the woman Eve all the time she was in the garden uh, 
But at no point do we find that um, Adam challenges Eve of what she was about to do. And then we go on to find that uh, they knew of this disease because they had disobeyed God's commandment in verse 7. For it says there in the middle of the verse, and they knew that they were naked. They knew that they had sinned. And the consequences of this uh, comes in verse 19. In the face of, because of what they had done, in the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. Also we notice a couple of verses on in verse 21, that God himself, the creator, makes them a covering for their sin or their nakedness. And so it was from this time onwards that sin has always been part of man. The consequences being that he was had become mortal or a dying creature. So we ask the question, well how can a mortal being give birth to somebody who is immortal? And the answer is he can't. Now in the New Testament scriptures, in Romans, we are told clearly that man receives the wages that are due to him uh, because of sin and that is death so here we have a fact of life don't we and that is that we sin or we do that which is contrary to the ways of God and because of that we die now another fact that we are told in the Bible is the period to which we can expect to live for it tells us that we are told that it is three score years and ten or 70 years now some of us might be unfortunate and die before we get to the age of 70 or maybe by the grace of God there are those that live longer but in the end there is no discharge uh, or escape from the consequences of sin which is death now of course there will be some people who will say that of course at time of death man goes to heaven or hell depending on uh, what you might have done in this life and yet when we come to look at the scriptures the word of God we find this idea or this doctrine is not found in scripture and the fact is as we are told is that the soul is dead also in Ezekiel chapter 18 and verse 4 it tells us clearly the soul that sinneth and it shall die I want us now just for a moment to go to the book of Ecclesiastes for it tells us more about uh, man and his condition Ecclesiastes then and chapter 3 and at uh, verse 19 it tells us there for that which befalleth the sons of man befalleth beasts even one thing befalleth them as one dieth so dieth the other yea they have all one breath so that a man hath no preeminence over a beast for all his vanity all go unto one place all are of the dust and all are turned to dust again so we see it is the same 
uh, with the animals and so it is uh, with man as we're in Ecclesiastes we go on to uh, chapter 9 and verse 5 and it reminds us for the living know that they shall die but the dead know not anything neither have they any more a reward uh, for the memory of them is forgotten also their love and their hatred and their envy is now perished neither have they any more a portion forever in anything that is done under the sun and so we see here clearly that one of the main facts of life is that at some point we are die that we die now if this is all we have to look forward to then what a sorry state we are in fact in now in Paul's letter to the Corinthians he tells us that if we do not have a hope for the future that is centered in God's son the Lord Jesus Christ then we are of most men most miserable just for a moment I want to look at just one more fact uh, about concerning death we see that within scripture many times death is described as a state of sleep yet it must be said very rarely do people appreciate what it means the normal conditions when we fall asleep is that everything around us becomes oblivious he is what we might call in an unconscious state nothing exists and this term precisely describes death a total state of unconsciousness now when we understand this what does it do it opens up before us an appreciation of the bible hope for many the hope is that one day in the future if we have fallen asleep in death then there will be a time when there will be what we call the resurrection of the dead now to illustrate this point I want us to go to the New Testament scriptures and this time to John's gospel and at chapter 11 where we have the record of the Lord Jesus Christ raising Lazarus from the dead now in the first few verses we are told plainly that Lazarus is sick and then we read in verse 11 these words these things said he and after that he saith unto them that's his disciples our friend Lazarus sleepeth but I go that I may awake him out of sleep so here is the Lord Jesus Christ telling his disciples that Lazarus sleepeth and so as the, we read there the Lord Jesus Christ was going uh, to waken him out of sleep but also Jesus tells us in verse 14 plainly that Lazarus is dead and then we go to verses 43 and 44 for we find then and when he thus had spoken he cried forth with a loud voice and Lazarus come forth and he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face was bound about with a napkin Jesus saith unto them 
loose him and let him uh, go. We see then that here is the record of the Lord Jesus Christ raising Lazarus from sleep or what we call death. Now we see that the Lord Jesus Christ did not try to conceal the fact that Lazarus is dead nor did he try to comfort Mary or Martha. Now in this record we have no record whatsoever of any talk of him going to heaven or passing on. It was simple, Lazarus is dead. Now then, the Lord Jesus Christ, having the power to raise him from the dead, and knowing that he had this power, which had come to him from the Almighty Creator, that he was fully intending to use uh, it uh, to bring about the resurrection of Lazarus. Now this whole incident shows to us that a death of a true follower of the Lord Jesus Christ can have the hope of a resurrection out of sleep. Now the Apostle Paul had a belief of this resurrection of the dead. For we are reminded, if we just go on in, as we are in the New Testament to the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 24, where we have, the, uh, we have Paul now standing before uh, Felix and we see his great uh, belief in this resurrection of the dead verse 14 but this I confess unto thee that after the way which they call heresy or worship I the God of my fathers believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets and have hope towards God which they themselves also allow that there shall be a resurrection of the dead both of the just and the unjust and again in verse 21 except it be for this one voice that I cried standing among them touching the resurrection of the dead am I called in question by you this day so here was Paul standing before Felix and here was his uh, stance upon the resurrection of the dead. And so we see clearly that Paul believed uh, the resurrection of the dead. And so the idea then of life after death is a, a wonderful thing. But the question we ask ourselves, is there anything in it? Or is it just for just wishful thinking? Well, we know that there is a th there is such a thing because of what happened uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. Now, of course, there'll be those who think uh, that it is just another tale, but the evidence is there. But let us remember that believers and unbelievers are in agreed on one thing. Something astonishingly happened in the land of Israel during the first half of the first century, in the year AD 25, because at that time the Christian religion did not exist. And yet by AD 50, it was spreading like wildfire across the ancient world. So something must have happened uh, to spark, if you like, it off. Of course there were other religions that have arose 
rather quickly but they had all been tailor-made if you like to suit the environment to which they sprang up but when we look at the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ we find that it was different it simply did not fit in with any section of his society take his fellow countrymen for instance the Jews they were outraged with the things that he had said the religion was only a perversion he said of the true Jewish faith and in fact their leaders were what they called him called them hypocrites and in the end what did they do these people they executed him also the Greeks and the Romans hated the Lord Jesus Christ's teaching because uh, teaching but for a different reason it was far too demanding they said for their taste and so the Lord Jesus Christ came amongst the Jews and what was he preaching purity of mind and body preaching love and forgiveness now at the time of his execution when he was hung upon a tree we have find that those that were round about remarked with satisfaction at the time of his death that this would without doubt bring the end of his teaching already majority of his followers had already fled and yet a few years later his demoralized followers uh, had in fact burst into the pages of history for they had become the most spirited most determined and most effective minority of their age many in fact had suffered imprisonment torture but why did they do this why were they prepared to go through this imprisonment and torture it was because of their faith and of course some had been put to death so why did they put up with all this why did they put themselves in this risk of losing even their life to pioneer such a strange and very unpopular religion at the time uh, in which they spoke well of course we found that uh, that they believed that the Lord Jesus Christ had risen uh, from the dead because some of them had witnessed it I want us to look at that chapter which we read by way of introduction if we go to Corinthians chapter 15 and uh, the first of Corinthians 15 and at verse 17 it says there for if Christ be not raised your faith is vain and yet in you and ye are yet in your sins then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished if in this life only we have hope in Christ we are of all men most miserable but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept and so we see here is the Apostle Paul writing in his first letter to the Corinthians he talks about all the possibilities but he comes in the end to the satisfaction that the Lord Jesus Christ had in fact been risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept 
And he also goes on to say earlier in the chapter of verse 3, for I, have, for I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according uh, or predictions uh, to the scriptures. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according uh, to the scriptures. And that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this, pre unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. And so there was quite a, a large number of people who had in fact seen uh, the Lord Jesus Christ having been uh, raised uh, uh, from the dead. Now another early writer in the New Testament was that of Luke. And Luke is regarded as one of the finest and most accurate historians of our age. And yet he too speaks of this resurrection as an historical fact. And that is why people are prepared to endure even death itself because of this hope they have of the resurrection. Now we have been reminded about the condition of man as we mentioned at the beginning because of sin comes death. But we see also that there is a way out. There is a hope for the future uh, uh, by the resurrection of the dead. We think of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. For man, being in the position he was in, it didn't matter which way he looked, whether it was left or to the right, for he found that he was in a hopeless position. As we say, there was no way out. But in the fullness of time came the breakthrough. Another side to the story, if you like. Because of God's plan with this world and with mankind upon it. That this world in which we live eventually will be filled with his glory as the waters cover the sea. Now his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, has made it possible that we can now have fellowship with the almighty creator. We see that the Lord Jesus Christ in his life is in complete harmony with his father in heaven, the almighty creator. We see in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ that he lived a sinless life. And because he was perfect, he offered himself as that supreme sacrifice which we have recorded in the New Testament scriptures. He became what we read and know as the Lamb of God. And he offered himself. But what was this sacrifice uh, uh, to have? What effect was it to have upon man, on mankind just come with me to another letter of the apostle Paul chapter 5 and verse 12 for here he reminds us about that which had gone on at the beginning when we remember that there was the fall of man when he disobeyed that commandment of God for it says wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And that was the condition to which we find man was in. But how did it all come about? Well, just go further down the chapter, uh, verse 18. Therefore, as by the offence of one, 
judgment came upon all men or sentence was pronounced upon all men to condemnation even so by the righteousness of one sentence was pronounced the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life or pardon of life for as by one man's disobedience as we read in Genesis chapter 3 many were made sinners and so by the obedience of one the work of the Lord Jesus Christ when he offered himself as that supreme sacrifice shall many uh, be made righteous so in other words there was now a hope for mankind by one man Adam sin entered into the world by one man the Lord Jesus Christ sin was taken out of the world or in reality the Lord Jesus Christ undid all that Adam had done but what does this mean then as we have said sin and then came death therefore only by the righteous would one bring life by his sacrifice we also in this day and generation can have forgiveness of the disease that is sin and because of the faithfulness and what the Lord Jesus Christ did we see in chapter 6 of Romans and verse 23 for it reminds us first of all the wages of sin is death but he then goes on to say but the gift of God is eternal life uh, through uh, Christ Jesus also if we just go back to that chapter which we read by way of introduction the uh, first chapter of Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 22 he makes a statement about life and death for as in Adam all die even so in Christ shall all be made alive but every man in his own order Christ the firstfruits after they that are Christ uh, at his coming and so we see clearly there there are two uh, camps isn't there there's Adam and there's Christ the consequence is that if we are in Adam we all die and we are all subject to that when we are born but if we become in Christ then shall, it, then shall many be made alive all the descendants as we said of Adam die but we notice then that they are not all in Christ so great importance then is shown upon a change that must take place by putting on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in the act of baptism the complete immersion in water now after one has read and has come to learn of the gospel that is recorded in the word of God uh, then uh, we can be baptised and we remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ that he sent to his servants I am he that liveth and was dead and behold I am alive for evermore Amen and finally if during our lives we have tried to follow the ways of God and the example that has been shown to us through his son the Lord Jesus Christ that we might in this day and generation show forth what we might call a Christ, Christ-like attitude and therefore by being in Christ then we have this hope don't we of the resurrection from sleep or death and then when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, 
Christ, that by his grace uh, we might receive a place in God's kingdom that will be established upon this earth. And we notice that it's not something that we have earned. It is by the grace of the almighty God. And so we look to that time when God's kingdom will be set upon this earth. And with it everlasting life. I want us just to conclude with a few verses. Towards the end of this 15th chapter of First Corinthians. For verse 51 says. For I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Verse 57. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory. And how has he given us the victory? He has given us the victory through the work of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, he tells us what have we got to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And why should we always be abounding in the work of the Lord? For we know that our labour in the Lord is not in vain. We hope you enjoyed that talk. For more downloads, videos, information about what we believe, and details of our meeting times, go to our website, ormskirtchristadelphians.org.uk.